0: As always, thank you very much to the wonderful people at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort for their support of the sports book here on WJR. Uh, you know, Jamie, I got to be honest with you. Uh, doing the tailgate show, uh, which got underway at 4:30 uh, there at Munfield, I, I, there was a wonderful vibe. There really was uh, a nice mesh of Spartan and Wolverine faithful. Uh, everybody anticipating the 116th edition of the backyard brawl. And i got to be honest, a uh, lot of Spartan fans coming up in this very difficult season, uh, optimistic yeah. that today was going to be the day. So uh, that was nice to see. We even had Tom Mizzo stop by, and, you know, he uh, brings a crowd, and um, he was uh, certainly hoping uh, that interim coach Harlan Barnett was going to push all the right buttons and make a little something-something happen.
1: Well, Tom was hanging with Barry on the sidelines, from what I could tell. Hanging with who? Barry Sanders.
0: Oh yeah, who
1: has a son who plays on the team? Yeah, Barry came to town, so there was a good vibe. I did a pregame show on local four on TV from the studio, so I wasn't there in the action. But yeah, we talked about how if the Spartans were going to surprise, they could possibly do it. I mean, Mark Antonio was on the sideline there, you know, in whatever capacity he's in, and he's been known to surprise here or there. So there was at least a hope that it could be close. And once the game started, we realized, mm, okay, no.
0: Yeah, it was uh, rather quick as a matter of fact. J.G. McCarthy had a ball game. As a matter of fact, he directed that game opening 12 play, 84-yard drive, took more than six minutes off the clock to start, uh, capped off by the Blake Corum, uh 13 rushing yard touchdown. Uh, actually, his 13th rushing touchdown of the season. Uh, so we fast forward. 49 nothing was the final The Wolverines now have won a school record 20 consecutive conference game since losing at Michigan State, ironically enough, uh, nearly two years ago. I say McCarthy had a game, 21 of 27, 287 yards with four touchdowns, no turnovers. Caten Hauser, 12 of 22, 101 yards and a pick, which, by the way, was returned 72 yards for the score. And then Alex Orgy, the... uh, Next quarterback in line ran six yards for a touchdown with just eight seconds left. According to the uh, stories, James Harlan Barnett uh, told his staff via the headset that they were going to try and score, and he says he will not forget that or a lot of other elements of this game, for whatever that's worth.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Wolverines were certainly running up the score, and they would have had one more touchdown probably before the half, but Donovan Edwards moved. He was, you know, illegal formation. So. The Wolverines did not hold back, that's for sure. And we can talk about, you know, what the national news is with the Wolverines if you want. I have a question for you. It comes from my Spartan husband. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. His question is, before Mel Tucker's situation, when he was just the coach of Michigan State and everything was humming, why was there a quarterback competition between Peyton Thorne and these two guys?
0: Well, that's a $64,000 question. Um, and as the story goes, uh, Peyton Thorne was indeed going to be the Spartan starter for a third straight year. Um, so at least that's the way, uh, the story has been told to me then.
1: But Mel Tucker kept coming out and saying, well, we don't know who the starter is. And I think that sort of injured the ego of Peyton Thorne.
0: Well, I think, uh, to a degree, uh, Tucker was saying that publicly when maybe, uh okay. the verdict was was uh already surrendered. Uh but that being said, the way he played that was that enough to cheese Peyton Thorne off. Apparently it was, uh, not to mention Auburn coming through with probably a better deal, what have you. Um but at the end of the day, uh I'm going to applaud Harlan Barnett, heard him on with uh Sean and Lowe on uh, sports rap before we took over, James. And here's a class act uh, who obviously is going through a difficult time. Remember, uh, when he took over under extremely difficult circumstances, his number one goal was to keep this team together and maybe win a few games along the way. Uh, They put themselves in position to do just that, but then have self-imploded more times than not. Um, But he's a man of class and a man of tremendous dignity. And uh, what they're going through right now is – It's a pretty sad situation, isn't it?
1: It is. You know what? I feel bad for the players. I feel bad for those coaches who probably won't have a job next year. I mean, who knows? But I feel bad for this whole situation, and they have to now go to Minnesota and try and come up with a game plan and try and play. Like, I hope they can at least get a W somewhere along the way.
0: Well, you know, and again, when I say that this Spartan team uh, self-implodes, you just take a look at some of the very important numbers as it relates to the backyard brawl. Third down efficiency, 6 of 16. Fourth down efficiency, 0 for 3. You had 11 penalties for 102 yards, and that has been the Achilles heel throughout. Uh, Not to mention two more turnovers. Again, this is basic football. Um, It's not rocket science here. So...
1: no. And they could; their record could have been better coming into the Michigan game. But, you know, we know how that went.
0: Well, you know, look, this team, uh, we all know what happened in Piscataway. Um, you've got an 18-point fourth quarter lead. Under no circumstances do you lose that football game. Uh, and they found a way to do just that with a couple of special team faux pas. Um, but, you know, again, uh, being on the sideline uh, as the players were coming out, a tremendous vibe. I don't think that the fight has left this team. Uh, I don't know exactly how focused they are because of what they've gone through and what they've endured. I don't know, uh, but you're right. they are on their way to the land of 10,000 Lakes against the Golden Gophers. That's going to be a three30 kick uh Minnesota four and three on the year two and two in big Ten play. Uh, and just make a little note here uh, as it applies to who will be uh, on that Spartan sideline next year. PJ Fleck has been getting uh, his name tossed around. I don't know exactly how that would work uh, with Fleck and his contract with Minnesota, um, but it is uh, worth noting. And I just did.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's still a good job. I mean, regardless of some of these missteps from the university and from Mel Tucker, it is a good job. It is in the Big Ten. There's a lot of money. There's a fantastic uh, facility. I think it's a desirable place to go if you're a coach. Uh,
0: by the way, uh, Michigan uh, will be at Purdue uh, next, but they have a bye week here, uh, and they will be uh, there. Uh, no, that's going to be an A-squared on November 4th. So make that adjustment to your calendar. Meanwhile, quickly. Um, because this is kind of a a breaking deal uh, this afternoon, Jamie. Uh, Connor Stallions, you ever hear of him?
1: Yeah, what a name.
0: (laughs) I'll say. Uh, He's the suspended Michigan staffer at the center of uh, the NCAA sign-stealing probe. Uh, He purchased tickets in his own name. That's what I said. In his own name for more than 30 games over the past three years at 11 different Big Ten schools. Sources at 11 different league schools uh, relayed this to ESPN. The scope of the University of Michigan's alleged sign-stealing operation includes both video evidence of electronics prohibited by the NCAA to steal signals uh, and a significant paper trail. Stallions forwarded the tickets he bought to at least three different people in different areas of the country. This is according to sources, which hints at the, uh, the uh, crazy scope of this operation. Now, Jamie, the uh, NCAA is expected to receive video evidence this week of illegal technology used in scouting tied to tickets purchased by Stallions. An opposing Big Ten school looked up uh, in stadium surveillance video from a game earlier this year, and sources said the person in the seat of the ticket purchased by Stallions held his smartphone up and appeared to film the home team sideline the entire game. Ay, ay, ay.
1: Yeah, and I heard there were tickets bought for both uh, sidelines of the Michigan, I'm sorry, the Ohio State-Penn State game this weekend, but those tickets went unclaimed.
0: (laughs) I wonder why. Uh, Interesting. But for this thing to go to this depth for three seasons and for him to purchase the tickets in his own name, and there's also been reports that he had some family members involved uh, in this scheme. Meanwhile, uh, Jim Harbaugh, who is facing other situations, said that he knew, abs- he knew absolutely nothing about this particular saga. Although the NCAA late last week came out blatantly and said, look, that's your job to know what's going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, for the record, Harbaugh came out with a statement that said he had no knowledge of this going on. Um, the article I read on Yahoo Sports said that some of the teams were so concerned about playing Michigan and the signs being stolen that they wore wristbands, but in the off chance that they had to call a sign, they would watch the sideline and this Connor Stallion person would then look at his clipboard and talk to the assistants. So that's according to Yahoo Sports.
0: Well, I know for a fact they are going to sort it out. By the way, uh, what we're discussing here uh, was a rule Back in 1994, for crying out loud. And there are some with knowledge of the situation that are saying that uh, this could be even greater than what got the New England Patriots in trouble during the Spygate scandal that unfolded, you'll remember, during the 2007 season. The crux of those allegations revolved around in-game taping of opponent signals during Patriots games. So, uh, look, stay tuned. Um, They are going to sort through this. And I'll tell you what. On the surface... It certainly doesn't sound good, does it?
1: It doesn't. But if you talk to a Michigan fan, it's like, oh, everybody does it. They just don't like Jim Harbaugh. Well, so the truth is somewhere in the middle there, I guess.
0: Yeah, we'll find out. All right, partner. Uh, you have a busy night, a little soiree, little dinner to get to there in Big Rapids.
1: <laughs> yes, there are a lot of dinner options in this town.
0: All right. Well, my best to all. Thanks for joining us for a little bit. Look forward to uh, seeing you buddies next Monday night before the Lions. I'm going
1: to give you a big hug, Steve, in person.
0: Cannot wait. It's been a minute. So uh, we'll see. Enjoy yourself and we'll chat soon.
1: Okay. Thanks, Steve.
0: All right. My partner, Jamie Edmonds, uh, taking off there to bigger and better things. In, that was rude. Uh, in Big Rapids. Uh, we're going to talk. How about this? Oh, Baby, the Red Wings are playing some hockey. Helena St. James from the Free Press is going to talk about it. You better believe it. Coming up as we continue here on 760 WJR. Nice to have you with us here on the Sportsbook here on 760 WJR. Well, a little review here. Uh, There for the longest time, well, 25 years as a matter of fact, Uh, it seemed as though your Detroit Red Wings getting into the NHL's postseason was Just a rite of passage. Well, lo and behold, there's been a drought seven years. As a matter of fact, a little bit of optimism going into this 2023-24 campaign because uh, there's some new bodies. Like half the roster has changed via the Iser plan. Uh, I got to tell you, these uh, Red Wings off to a nice start. Let's talk about it. Helena St. James joins us from the Detroit Free Press. Helena. How about this? Five and one tops in the Atlantic Division.
2: Five and one, and probably should have been six and zero oh if they hadn't undermined themselves with penalties. They played really well in New Jersey in the opener, so yeah, uh, they, they've had a very, very good start and beaten some very good teams and some teams they absolutely needed to if they want to rise in the Atlantic, like Tampa and and Ottawa. So I think there's there's a lot to be encouraged by even though it is a small sample size, but uh, they're they're looking very, very good so far.
0: Are you shocked? As I mentioned, Helena, you know, there's 10 new bodies, roughly half the roster uh, turned over. I was under the impression going in that maybe um, it would take a little time uh, to gel, if you will, and I don't throw that term around willy-nilly.
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting. Maybe, you know, by bringing in older players, uh, it's a little bit easier for them. I mean, they know what their role is and, you know, I, I think, you know, even though eight exhibition games can be a lot uh, in a situation like this, it really benefited the coaching staff and the players. They got to experiment with different line combinations and got a lot of looks and games where uh, the result didn't matter. So uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really that surprised. And, you know, you take a player like Alex DeBrincat, I mean, he can probably click with, with almost anybody. So, I think it's not a surprise that they've gelled this quickly, and they did also do a lot of activities off-ice uh, even before camp began to kind of make sure everybody felt included and and knew one another. So I think you're just seeing them that right from the get-go, they were very, very eager to to have a very good start uh, as soon as camp began.
0: We'll get to uh, Debrinket and what he's doing uh, in just a bit there, Helena. Um, but part of the optimism, and we had a chat with you before this season got underway, uh, was the new bodies coming in. And as it turns out, Shane Gostabier, uh, Daniel Sprong, JT Comfort, some of the uh, new guys here, they're all finding their way to the scoring sheet, and that's obviously the reason they were brought here.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Brink had for sure, but Sprong has made the third line better. I think you're even seeing... You know, Clem, Costin uh, and, uh, and Christian Fisher on the fourth line, adding some more experience. And I think they've helped Joe Valeno then turn around and have a really good start to his season. That Comfer, uh, Andrew Copp, and Michael Rasmussen line has been really good. I mean, they, they can certainly score, but they're just so strong defensively. And it's a line you can put out against anybody. All three of them are centers to an extent. They can all take face So you just have, have so much more depth, quality depth than they've had in a while, you know, and we're seeing it on the power play too. I mean, the 50% was not going to be sustainable, but they've proven to themselves they both units can score and they can build momentum off them.
0: Power play is tops in the league and it's very early and and you're right. It's going to be hard to sustain 50%. But when you bring to into the conversation, obviously, uh, during his uh, time in Ottawa, uh, he could light the lamp. Um, but what we've witnessed as a Red Wing so far, Helena, uh, the hat trick, obviously, the fifth of his illustrious career in the 6-2 win over Calgary yesterday. Uh, but he also has a league-high eight goals right now. And, you know, the honest-to-goodness truth, he's making it look extremely easy.
2: He he absolutely is. That's an excellent point. I thought the same thing. He just makes it look like, oh, you just buzz around the net and the puck goes in for you. but. You know, it's a credit to how hard he works and and his instincts. He's got that high, high hockey IQ that I don't really think you can teach. Uh, Some players are just, you know, fortunate to have it. And and he's one of those. And he's good at just darting around, you know, and he's undersized. But I think he's figured out a way to use that to his advantage. So, uh, you know, he's not going to be on the pace that he is right now, but he, he's he can score and you know, he didn't score in Ottawa, but other guys did. So there's the depth again uh, that, you know, that, that just wasn't there. You know, I mean, last season, you know, two games in, they lose Rana and Tyler Bertuzzi and uh, right. two of their top scores, you know, that's, that's another thing. I mean, health is the great equalizer. And so far, uh, unfortunate to lose Robbie Fabry, but, they've they came out of camp in good health and and that's that's been key for them as well
0: helena you're around this hockey club all the time um let me ask you this Uh, dylan larkin el capitan three goals eight assists 11 points early in this season do you notice any difference about the way he handles himself now that he got that big deal out of the way last season
2: you know i i I'm in the the opinion. I don't think there was ever much chance that he was going to be leaving. I mean, he loves it here. The wings knew they needed him. Uh, They had to go over maybe a little, pay him a little bit more than they ideally would have liked, but the salary cap is going to go up uh, next season. So they'll have some more maneuverability. And Steve Eisenman has absolutely balanced his books and kept his book to perfection. But I think, you know, it's, it's always, um, everybody likes job security, right? But, I don't think that there was much threat uh, that, that Dylan Larkin would have been wearing another team's uniform just from the standpoint of how much both sides wanted it to work out. Uh, I think the big difference for him, you know, we keep bringing up Alex to bring cat, but uh, to have a sniper like that on his wing, you know, and we're seeing it too. I mean, Lucas Raymond comes in and, and that's right. just a progression too, with a young player. Like you've got to give him a little bit of time to just gain strength and, and, you know, grow into their bodies and he's having a heck of a season. I mean, he he had his three assists against Calgary kind of uh, got lost with Alex's game, but it's just, you're just seeing, you know, I think confidence grow amongst all of them, but I think with Dylan more than anything, just having a winger like Alex has made a significant difference.
0: Well, they're certainly playing the style of hockey that uh, second year head coach, Derek Lalonde uh, enjoys, you know, disciplined, uh, you know, no turnovers, uh, which was kind of an issue uh, at times last year in their own zone, Elena. And uh, right now, uh, they're playing pretty good complimentary hockey, are they not?
2: They are. And what I've really been impressed with is, you know, Pittsburgh came back and made it close. Calgary came back within a couple of goals in the third period. And I think in past years, you know, the Wings would have started to falter. And rather than be the one scoring and padding their lead, They would have given up another goal and found a way to lose. And that, to me, is just really where they show so much growth. And I think it's a lot having more experienced players in the lineup and knowing that they can score. They don't give away games uh, that they should win anymore. They just they they get that extra goal and they find a way to come away victorious.
0: Uh, Between the pipes, uh, Billy Huso. He's played in four, uh, three and one right now. Goals against a 3.04 save percentage, a little over 90. Uh, James Reimer, uh, he was there last night for the win over Calgary. Made 29 saves, as a matter of fact. Not bad. Uh, he is 2-0 and right now, Helena. Goals against a one save percentage of 96. Um, is this the way you foresee it working, 2-1, to one, as far as games go for these netminders?
2: I would think at some point uh, they've got to get Alex Lyons, you know, the third guy, some, uh, some, some starts. I don't know if they're, maybe they send him to Grand Rapids for a conditioning stint, but for, for sure. I mean, Derek was clear coming into the season. Villa Huso is the number one. And I think he kind of had a, a couple of rough outings. I, I, to be fair. I mean, he faced down Jack Hughes in the opener that Jack Hughes makes a lot of goalies uh, look weak, but but I, I think they have a, you know, it's good re- mental relief for Vila to know that that's his role, and and James Reimer has come in and so far been a very capable backup, hasn't played a lot, but he he both of them have have done their jobs, and and that's made a big difference. And for the most part, you know, the team has played well in front of them. Uh, the the defensemen has cleared out opposing forwards. That, you know, they're all they're all working well together.
0: All right, the uh, Red Wings will entertain. The one four and one Seattle Kraken at uh, LCA. That's an eight fifteen start uh, tomorrow night. Let me ask you this, Helena. Before I let you go, do you say Lalonde or Lalonde? I've heard LaLone.
2: both. Yeah, it's, it's Lalonde. Uh, yeah, and it's you know what? It's actually. I think by the time the puck drops tomorrow night, it's eight twenty three. So I don't know how any of us. Going to be awake for the for the third period. That's just ridiculous for a, a weekday night regular regular season weekday night to start a game at 8:23. I don't care what the NHL's reasoning is. Uh, I, I think that's absurd for an Eastern Time Zone start. But um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, it's actually funny. You with with Derek, you know, he he goes by Newsy. There was an old time uh, hockey player with that last name who who was called Newsy, and the first time he called Dylan and said hi, it's Newsy. Dylan said. He didn't know who was calling. He didn't know <laughs> that was his nickname. So that was his introduction to his new coach last year.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. As always, Helena, thank you so very much for your time. Much appreciated. Got a confident hockey club. Hopefully it goes a ways.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: All right. Thank you so much.
2: My pleasure. Anytime.
0: All right. That is Helena St. James from the Detroit Free Press talking Red Wing hockey. Again, five and one. How about that? Winners of five straight. Uh, they'll host the Kraken tomorrow night uh as far as the pistons go quickly uh two and two in the preseason on to the regular season they're going to be in miami to face the heat 7 30 on wednesday night friday night they're going to be in charlotte then in case you're wondering the home opener uh for the pistons saturday night at lca against those bulls uh monday night game tonight we'll talk about it as we continue with the sportsbook here on 760 WJR. All right, as far as postseason baseball goes, looking pretty darn good for the NLCS to be going to a game seven because in the city of brotherly love right now, the Phillies are getting pounded 5-1 by the D-backs. Uh that is bottom of the eighth. Meanwhile, in Tejas, the All Texas ALCS, 803 tonight, series tied, three apiece. Uh, the Rangers and Houston Astros meeting up then Monday Night Football tonight. Uh, you've got the five and one San Francisco Forty ers in the land of ten thousand lakes, beautiful place this time of year. Uh, the Vikings, Kirk Cousins and company, two and four as it stands right now. Uh, Jason Fissler on the other side of the glass, uh, a uh, football fan, yes, of yes. the Dallas Cowboys. And the reality is, there, Jace, a week ago they got it done. In the City of Angels, huh?
3: Yeah. 11 penalties, sloppy <laughs> play, uh, a team that they should probably beat by two touchdowns or more. Yeah, but they got it done.
0: Uh, you, you know what? You are a die-hard Cowboys fan. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they better be pretty damn impressive for you to give them a glowing marks. It's That's getting all I'm to on.
3: be that point, you know, because this team just feels like a first-round exit. Wild card weekend, they're done. So... Well, uh
0: we've got ourselves the bye uh, week was fun. I liked the bye week. <laughs> no pressure, absolutely. no stress. <laughs> just go about your business uh now, here's the deal. uh you got the Vikings fighting for their season to be honest. Uh, I know it's early, uh but they are two and four and the odd thing that just kind of leaps off the page at me and three at home uh unbelievable there. meanwhile, uh the forty ers look. They're a complete football team. There's no question about it. Favored by seven tonight. Two and one on the road. Which way are you going there, Jace?
3: Oh, uh, forty Niners will win this game by we'll say thirty one fourteen.
0: Wow. Wow, you're not you're not under the impression it's gonna be a tilt whatsoever. No. I don't have any uh faith
3: in the Vikings and uh from what the uh Niners did to my cowboys. <laughs> Boy
0: Uh are you a believer? you know it's Interesting, the speculation about Brock Purdy. Uh, and some are under the impression he's, he's just a stopgap quarterback. Others are saying, look, he's $850,000 for the 49ers, which in this day and age is highway robbery. Right. And I think for him to be performing at the clip that he is uh, says a lot about the kid. Right now, uh, he's throwing a 67.5% clip, 1,396 yards. Uh, ten touchdowns and one pick. Can he stay healthy?
3: Is the question.
0: Yeah, and can they?
3: Can he get them to the Super Bowl? We'll see. Uh, definitely a great surra- uh, the supporting cast around him. Uh, that's the way you build it. I think I really do. Um, of course, if he's there for a couple of years, two, three years, he's going to have to get paid if he gets it done. And but right now, yeah, like you said, highway robbery. <laughs>
0: Well, when you take a look at the tools that the Forty uh, ers have offensively, that Christian McCaffrey deal still blows my mind. Yeah. John Lynch able to pull that off, yeah. unbelievable. Uh, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, uh, it goes on and on. And then you take a look at what they've got going on defensively. Oh dear,
3: yeah, they're scary uh but the eagles you know that uh, that game last night the eagles looked you know they the, the lost to the jets 2 weeks ago they got things right last night uh i just still think, i i think we're headed for an eagles 49ers NFC championship game once again this year and who knows who's going to have home field advantage cuz they both have one loss uh i it, the, the NFC just rolls through those two teams uh and i know i know the lions the Lions, it, that, was, that was horrible to see yesterday. And I still think the Lions are going to make the playoffs and are a good team. But um, I, I really wish they played either Philly or the Niners just to see the measuring stick it would be against those two teams.
0: Well, they're not going to. Right. Because I think uh, as far as NFL teams go, and you take a look at the remainder of the Lions' schedule, I think it's somewhere around 25th. Or... One, they play one team with a winning
3: record from here out. Guess who that is? Your cowboys. The cowboys.
0: Your Cowboys. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to go with the 49ers tonight as well. Why not? Uh, they've been uh, pretty darn impressive. All right. Uh, that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the sports book. Uh, special thanks to my partner, Jamie. Once again, she is on the road. JR Mornings with Guy and Jame and Lloyd. Uh, the college tour is underway. I'd like to be a part of it for different reasons, but. Uh, They'll be at Ferris State tomorrow morning, as a matter of fact. Uh, In the meantime, a week from now, we're going to be...